This is the final week of uh, the Always God series, and I hope you have enjoyed it in some way. I hope God has spoken to your heart in the different Sundays that we've gone through this. And it's been kind of fun exploring with you all the ways that God has moved and interacted with His people in the past and learning how He's still moving in these same ways today. And you and I can experience God today. The eternal, the self-existent, the all-powerful God has not changed over time. He is still the great I Am. And today I want us to look at how God is still restoring. He's always restoring in people's lives. I'm reminded of an interesting TV show, and imagine lots of you, maybe even all of you, are familiar with the HGTV show called Fixer Upper. Maybe, maybe you're familiar. Hope you're familiar. At its height, more than 5 million viewers would tune in each week to watch the show, and for a short period of time, it was the highest rated show on cable television, only behind. AMC's The Walking Dead. I've never seen that one, but whatever. And in fact, Fixer Upper has spun off other shows. Fixer Upper Welcome Home started in January 21, and Fixer Upper The Castle started in 2022, and Fixer Upper The Hotel in uh, last year, beginning of last year. And although the original show came to an end back in October of 22, uh, it has gained many followers. People love Chip and Joanna Gaines, and they loved this show as well. And it has all blossomed into a full-blown destination spot for many traveling through Texas. In fact, uh, Brianna's is like 30 minutes, I think, away from, from Waco, Texas. So. And maybe even rivaling a, a visit to Branson, Missouri. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. You have to talk to Marlene about that one. And the, the, the premise, of course, behind the show, if you've seen it, is pretty simple. A couple buys a home that needs repair and renovation, and, uh, and to, to the rescue come Chip and Joanna. Come in on the scene, and they fix things up. He leads in the construction. She leads in the design concepts. And, of course, the climax of the show takes place in the last segment with the great reveal of the new home. What does this look like now? This is what it looked like before. Here it is now. It's priceless to see the look on buyers' faces as they initially lay eyes on their rehabbed home. And that show came to mind, though, when reading the passage and talking about the subject we're, we're addressing today. Because just as Chip and Joanna repair and restore broken, outdated, and dilapidated homes, it's a great picture and a beautiful illustration of what God does with our lives as well. He takes broken marred, spoiled clay, and he fashions it, forms it, and, and molds it into something special. He's always restoring. In Jeremiah 18 is where we're going to land here today. The first six verses, it will be behind me here, but you can turn to it in your Bible as well. In the Old Testament there, past Isaiah, past the Psalms, to the, to the right of, of Psalms in, in, in Isaiah, we have Jeremiah and we'll start with in verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, 
Can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So in this passage, God is getting Jeremiah's attention. He wants to teach him a valuable lesson about how he works in his, pe- in his people's lives. And he does it using this real-life object lesson of a potter and clay. Now, the message this object lesson communicates is pretty simple. The potter has power over the clay, and the potter works this clay, he forms this clay, molds this clay to take whatever form or shape the potter desires. The clay, in order to conform to what the potter is designing, must be worked and reworked. The lumps in the clay have to be smoothed out. Wherever it's marred or or spoiled, as uh, one version of Scripture says, it has to be remade. This is an incredible picture of God and how He works in our lives as well. So I want to make three simple points from this, this portion of Scripture today that I hope will guide us toward this master potter who wants to make something beautiful out of your life. So the first point here is that we are all broken. (laughs) We are all broken. We are all cracked pots, right? (laughs) But we are all broken. I'm, uh, I'm of course, using the word broken here as a synonym synonym to uh, to the word found in verse 4, marred. And and this is exactly what the word means. Jeremiah uses this, this same word in chapter 13 to describe a belt he was commanded by God to bury and later dig up. God gave him a lot of fun little things to do to give give some signs to his people. After he dug this belt up, he described it in verse 7 as being ruined and completely useless. It was broken. Is there anything worse than something breaking and not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created? Isn't it awful? I remember... Back in the day when I was learning how to play guitar, and I didn't have a guitar yet, and so I wanted to get one. Costco had them. Look at that. Well, let's get one of those, and I can learn on that. So I grabbed that guitar and took it home, tuned it up, played it, and it didn't, something wasn't quite right. I pushed down for a chord, and it would sound like it was like a little off, almost like it was almost a little higher but then I would tune it again, and it was in tune. I thought, what in the world is going on here? So I took a look at the guitar, and I looked straight down it as far as the arm here and the body, and I could see it was kind of like this a little bit on the arm to the body, and so there's a gap there that's like this. So every time I pushed down on the cord, I would be stretching the strings, and it would bring it out of tune. <laughs> it would play the cord out of tune. So it needed to be tightened up a lot more than what it was, and I didn't know how to do it, and I thought, forget it. This thing isn't working for me, so I took it back. (laughs) Finally did wind up to get a guitar that was good, and that worked quite well. But it was disappointing to me about that, something that was frustrating, though, to me in another situation. Jameson, he he worked at uh, Fred Meyer's distribution place, so he had all these coupons and, and discounts that he could get items at Fred Meyer's. And so he said, Dad, let's go get you a, a, a smart TV. So when you have that room back there, you can have it kind of like a, kind of like a you know, man cave or whatever. I said, okay, whatever, good. So he said, let's go. So we went on out and he said, uh, I've got these coupons, so it will make it really discounted for you. And I said, that's awesome, that's great. So we found a TV 
and uh, brought it on home, a, a, a speaker bar with a little, you know, other speaker too. And I set it aside because the bedroom was being used at this time. Jameson was in one of the bedrooms and then Brianna was in the, the one that was gonna be using. And uh, when Jameson moved out, then Brianna got his room and then that room came open. That didn't happen for about a year or so after I purchased that TV. And I thought, that's fine, time will come. I'll be able to put the TV up and it'll be great. Finally purchased a, a, a bracket to, on the wall to put up on the wall. And I, uh, when, when Brianna moved over to the other bedroom, and uh, I, I got the TV out, opened up the box, and, and got things ready to go. Looked at the TV and noticed that it was cracked, spider cracked, all the way from one corner down to the middle. I was like, what happened? I thought, oh, no. I thought, wait a second. I've had this for over a year. I don't think I can take it back. So I boxed it up and real neatly like I could and everything right where it's supposed to be. And I took it back to Fred Myers and I said, I got a problem. <laughs> Purchased this TV a while ago, and I had the receipt still. And uh, I said, but it's cracked. And so uh, can I get another one to replace it? And they looked at the receipt and they said, this is, this is an over a year ago receipt. We can't do anything with it. And it's beyond anything else that we can do. We could just take it off your hands for you. It's like, are you kidding me? So it was a purchase way back then. I, I should have checked it, opened up the box to see how it was, but I was never able to use it. It was broken. It was not usable for what it was supposed to be used for. It was very disappointing for me to figure that out and uh, discover that. Um, later did get a TV later on for that room, but wow, is nothing worse than something breaking and not fulfilling the pur purpose for which it was created. But we are all broken spiritually. We are all broken spiritually. This is what sin does to us. It corrupts us. It mars us. It breaks that relationship between God and humanity. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, familiar verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have. The translation, translation using Jeremiah's term, for all are marred and fall short of the glory of God. And the only solution for marred clay is to be refashioned, to be remade by the potter. Now, I would think that if the clay had any physical feelings, if they had something, you know, I could feel pain. If the clay could feel pain, I'm sure the clay would feel a lot of pain. And being refashioned, remade, reworked. Because it's not, not very fun when God does that in our lives. When He has to remold us, remake us. It's a painful process, but it's a great result that happens. But this is, a, this is all a picture of salvation. The only solution to sin, the only solution to the brokenness in our lives is the gospel. <laughs> when we submit our life to the potter's hands, he begins to form and he begins to fashion and make us into what Scripture calls a new creation. Now, let's think about the context of this passage for a moment. Behind me, you see the Jeremiah, the prophet. And here is a jury that's next to him. And so this must be Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah, Jeremiah. This is a great picture learning system to be able to help you understand some of the books of the Bible. So that's Jeremiah. So here we have Jeremiah 
holding up a, a rotten sash. Like I mentioned before, he buried this sash before in chapter 13, brought it back out. The sash or belt as, as evidence. And this book is an autobiography of one of Judah's greatest prophets. And the message he proclaimed for 40 years was one of judgment. It was judgment upon the people of Judah. And he predicted that Jerusalem would fall to the Babylonians and that God's chosen people would be carried off into exile. Now, this would, I'm sure, take its toll on a person, on a prophet, always bringing this kind of prophecy to the people over 40 years. No wonder he's called the weeping prophet, because the reality of what he prophesied broke his heart. It's important to note the object lesson God gives him. It refers to a people God was in a, he was in a covenant relationship with, the people of Israel. This covenant relationship that he had with his own people, and it's the covenant relationship he has with us as well. In verse 6, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I highlighted this just to make the point that once we have been remade by God and entered into a relationship with Him, that doesn't mean we have arrived. Salvation is when God's shaping work starts in our lives, not when it stops. We should be shaped continually by God. And like the people of Judah over time, even those of us in a relationship with God, we can step outside of His will. We can choose to live in sin and disobedience. We can make decisions that cause lumps to form in the clay. And it's at, this, at that point we learn this same valuable lesson Jeremiah did. Clay that is marred, clay that is broken, can be reworked and remade. It can still be restored. You're not too far away. God can always reshape you, rework you, restore you. And this brings me to our second point, and that is only God can restore the broken. Only God can do this. Only the potter has power over the clay. Only He has the power to rework and remake and reshape and restore. And this should bring us great hope because I imagine that I'm speaking to some of you who have trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, but you've gotten away from God. You've strayed in some ways. Sin leads to a hardening of the heart. As scripture tells us, the hardened by deceitfulness of sin. And the harder the clay gets, the less moldable it becomes. It's like Play-Doh. When you first take Play-Doh out of the can, it's, it's soft, it's pliable, it's workable. If you drop it in the carpet, it makes a big mess. <laughs> but over time, as stuff gets in it, or stuff gets on it, and pieces of it are lost, or if you accidentally leave it out, what happens? Yes, it gets hard. <laughs> it gets brittle. It's not nearly as easy to work with. It's broken and isn't able to carry out its intended purpose. What's true with Play-Doh is true for our lives. If we don't keep our hearts soft before God and take care of our personal relationship with Him, 
through abiding in, in Jesus. <laughs> if we choose to not listen to Him and embrace His Word in our life, this is what leads to hardening. It leads to hardening. Now, often when our heart becomes the hardest, God has to break us in order to reveal to us how He can best use us. And that's the painful process. Some of you are, who are here have discovered how sin, the deceitfulness of it, and the consequences that have come along with it has hardened your heart. And at the very same time, it has led you or is leading you to a place of extreme brokenness. You're afraid, you're grieving, you're depressed, you're discouraged because of what has happened. And today, maybe due to sin that has hardened you or a situation or circumstance that is overwhelming you, what you are screaming is, help, I'm broken. I need healing. A relationship has ended. Uh, someone you love is dying or has died. Health issues are holding you back, what you want to be doing. Your financial situation is looking pretty bleak. Whatever the case you're going through, just listen to this. Don't keep running from God. Stop running from God. Stop running from God. Certainly don't lose hope. You're in the right place. You are in the potter's house and God can restore that which is broken in your life. He's still restoring. There's an encouraging saying that the, the Tuesday at 2 Bible study has been learning from Max Lucado's book, You'll Get Through This, I believe can help us focus on the fact that we are in the potter's house and God can restore that which is broken in our lives. The phrase is this, you'll get through this, it won't be painless, it won't be quick, but God will use this mess for good. In the meantime, don't be foolish or naive, but don't despair either. With God's help, you will get through this. So it doesn't matter what you've done or how much you've failed. Let the potter do what he does best and remake you into something beautiful. He can do that. This all reminds me of uh, two examples of Jesus restoring people in the New Testament. One comes from uh, the first one was the woman caught in adultery. And do you remember this, this story? It's from John chapter 8. Jesus is teaching in the temple courts. Teachers of the law and Pharisees bring to Jesus a woman caught in adultery. She should be stoned according to the law uh, Moses commanded. And so the Pharisees and teachers of the law say, well, what are you going to do, Jesus? What do you say? Because if he says, no, you know, don't stone her, that goes against the law. But if he says, yes, go ahead and stone her, then that goes against the Romans and their laws and what they've set for. So he's caught in a tight place there. What's he going to do? And so Jesus just kind of stoops down, draws on the ground, and then he says, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. <laughs> wow. And then he goes back and continues to draw on the ground. And starting with the oldest, the people begin to go away one at a time. And Jesus is the only one left there with the woman. A woman who is marred. A woman who's being broken. And what does Jesus do with this woman? 
He doesn't judge her. He doesn't pick up a stone to throw at her, although he had all the right to do so. He looks at this woman who is at the lowest point of her life and speaks words of life to her. John chapter 8, verses 10 through 11. He straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. So Jesus restores her. And in a moment of grace, he shows this woman love. It's exactly how God treats all of us in our sin. When we're in sin, I imagine he's looking at us painfully, just going, why? Why are you doing this? It's almost the same thing when parents see their kids, their older, older kids, their kids who are adults, go through difficulties in life. And you know they could have gone through it a lot easier if they just made a better decision. And you stand there and you go, oh, what are you doing? Man, I wish you would just make a good decision on this. And we, are, we feel pain for them. God is in the same position for us as well, too. When we find ourselves in sin, God is going, oh, I provided a way. Oh, and I'm sure he's pain, just feeling pain over the whole situation as well, too, as we go into sin and we, we are enveloped with that. But God treats all of us in our sin the same way we see Jesus treat the woman caught in adultery. But He, he restores us no matter what we have done or how broken and how, or even how messed up we are. We can't get messed up enough to not have God come and, and, and restore us. God restores anyone who is willing to be restored. And then, of course, there's the restoration of Peter. The other example that comes to mind Probably the single best example of this in Scripture though, uh, that we find in this life of, of Peter. Everyone remembers his epic failure, right? Jesus, I'll never deny you. If everyone else bails on you, I won't. Then what happens? Hmm. Well, Jesus tells Peter that he will disown him three times before the rooster crows. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 not me. So then Jesus is arrested and all the whole process of he went through, taken to Annas, and, and, then, and then during that time, Peter did not, denies being Jesus' disciple to a girl at the entrance there of the high priest's courtyard. And then Jesus is taken from Annas to, to uh, Caiaphas, the high priest. And then during that time, as things are going on there, another person comes up to him, and Peter denies being Jesus' disciple two more times. And after that, three times we hear the rooster crowing. And when that happens, Peter just, he, he just realizes, what have I done? He remembered what Jesus told him. And Peter is so broken. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. He sees Jesus after the resurrection. Can you imagine seeing Jesus after the resurrection? Can you imagine the grief that Peter has, the embarrassment that Peter has, the shame when Peter first saw Jesus? I bet uh, during their interactions in Peter's mind, his failure was that elephant in the room. And yet it goes unaddressed. The dis disciples make their way back to Galilee, and you remember what happens? Peter says, enough of this, I'm going fishing. <laughs> going back to what he knows what to do. And he, along with some other 
of the other disciples get in a boat, and the Bible says they catch nothing, nothing at all. And again, just imagine the feeling of failure on their part. They don't have Jesus there with them anymore, and the one, that, one thing they, they're good at, the fishing, they fail in that as well. For Peter, it had to be a, a deeper sting knowing he had denied and failed Jesus. Then all of a sudden, as day is breaking, a man stands on the shore and asks those fishing if they caught anything. John chapter 21 tells us about this. Peter and some of the disciples said, no, and the man tells them to cast their net on the, other, on the right side, and the net becomes so full of fish that they can't even haul it into the boat. Then John tells Peter, hey, I think that guy is Jesus. And then Peter suddenly just jumps in the water and goes to him onto the shore. Jesus has a, has a fish breakfast with Peter and the rest of the disciples there on the shore. And it was here that Jesus asked a marred and broken Peter three times, Do you love me? And in gently restoring Peter, he took this, this pliable lump of, of clay and reworked him, giving him a new mission to go and tend my sheep, as he told him. Talk about love. Wow. He doesn't just not shame, but he gave him a brand new mission. And it was Peter that would reach, reach out to the people there during Pentecost, preaching there, and on that day, 3,000 people came to know Christ. Only God could do that. <laughs> I'm reminded of that uh, great quote by A.W. Tozer. It is doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. We have felt what it means to need God. It's called the blessing of brokenness. A lot of you have been blessed in the last number of months, and you're thinking, I don't need any more blessings of this, thank you. But God knows what He's doing. He knows what you can handle. He knows what you're going through. And He knows what you need. Some of us need that brokenness to be pliable, and moldable before God. So we, all, we are all broken, and only God can restore the broken. And third, final point today, God wants to restore you. God wants to restore you. I truly hope that you are taking this message personally. God longs to remake and remold and restore you. It's the loving work of a potter. The potter has power over the clay and, and pity upon the clay as well. Ephesians chapter 2 uses the word workmanship to describe this work in our life. It's a word that means poem. Poem. God is writing a beautiful poem with your life. There's probably tragedies that are going on, difficulties, but there's bright areas and victories, wonderful moments. As a poem takes its journey through, you, you, when you read poetry, it does that. It brings you through the tough times and the good times as well, too. God is doing that in each of our lives. Speaking of poetry, there's a poem written by Myra Brooks Welch, which was made into a song by Wayne Watson. It's entitled, The Touch of the Master's Hand. What I'd like to do is have, I'm going to have Ray play this video, and it's just going to 
bring us hopefully into the realm of this master who can touch us and, and, and make us what we need to be, what, who we need to be in his, in his eyes. The master, the potter, God can take your life, a simple lump of clay, and in a moment with his touch, as you remain pliable and soft in his hands, will form you, will make you, will remake you, and restore you into something that he can use for his glory. Going back to the show of Fixer Upper, you know what most people enjoy the most, the most about, the, about the show, the most favorite part of it is, it's the end. When they have the great reveal, it's, it's, it's great being able to watch the couple's faces as they see their home and the investment they have made for the very first time. It's also at this time where we see the before and after pictures. The couple walks through each room and is just blown away by what they are seeing. Their home used to be and now it is now. They're, they're, they can't believe it. In a very real way, this is how we should look at ourselves. This is how the world should look at us. God takes us. He works on us. And as He does, he, he, we, we get so excited about all that He is doing in our lives. In the watching world, our friends, our family, our neighbors, those at the office, they see how God has shaped us and how He has changed and restored us. And, and they say, what happened to you? What, what went on? Who did this to you? And we can just smile and say, the greatest fixer-upper in the whole world. <laughs> he did it. And He wants to restore you today as well. And I want to tell you that the greatest fixer-upper in the world, the whole world, wants to restore you today as well. Question is, will you let Him? Will you let Him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, uh, thank You for this time together, and thank You for speaking to our hearts, encouraging us, knowing that You always restore in our lives. And I pray, Lord, that You would also, too, with those words bring hope to the person here today and those who are joining us online and might think they are just beyond hope. Maybe they've done too much. Maybe they've strayed too far. And Lord, you're here today saying there's nothing you can do to get away from my love for you. And because of that love for that person, Jesus wants to restore. God restores us brings us back to him, the, the, our lives, the clay, needs to remain pliable so that he can do that, rework us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us remain pliable in your hands. And if we think we've done too many things, too much, gone straight too far from you, and we've become too hardened, I don't think that can be. As long as we come back and submit to you and say, okay, Lord, work with what you have here. It's not much, but I'll submit it to you. And I'm so thankful that you can take the clay that has been submitted to you and work it to something beautiful. Help us to realize that, Lord. And I pray that each one of us would be able to just acknowledge that in our lives or, 
also too, just maybe at this moment, ask you to help us be the pliable clay for you to be able to mold into what you want in our lives. It's basically surrendering to you what you have for us. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the courage to believe that you can restore anything, that you can take all that is, that is out of place and make it beautiful, make it useful once again. Lord, thank you for doing that. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for restoring. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray.